Our scripture passage is going to come from the book of Nehemiah. We are looking at the um, we're looking at the fourth week of the Ten Commandments, and we're going to be talking about remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. But here's the challenge that I want to tell us. Sometimes when we're looking at the Ten Commandments, we can simply say, oh, it's a box to be checked. So we talked about a couple weeks ago how for idols, oh, I'm not making little statues, so I must be good. I'm all set. I can move on to the next one. Oh, I'm not saying OMG all the time. So life is good. I can move on to the next one. And nope, I'm totally good. I'm respecting God's name. Sabbath is more about more than just taking one day off. To take a day off a week. Definitely take a day off a week. But Sabbath is far much more than that. It is a mindset of honoring God. And so I want to think of the times we wait in our lives. Because we have, we have opportunities to wait. Whether it's by our choice or it's not. So I want to I tell you, I was born in 1989, and for that reason, it meant that I was the perfect age for Star Wars every time anything came out. So when I was seven years old, they decided they were going to remaster all of the Star Wars movies, and we were going to be so excited because literally, they put the original trilogy in the theater, and it was awesome. And as a little kid, I got to experience what many of you maybe experienced in the year 1977 or 1980 or 83, I got, oh, I forgot my water. I got to grab my beach day wouldn't be complete without a water. Um, fortunately, I got it right here. So I had the opportunity to relive those moments, and it was amazing. The original Star Wars movie on the big screen, when you'd never seen it before, it's as good for a seven-year-old 96 as it was for you in 77. It was amazing. I didn't like that ad of Jabba the Hutt that they added in the first movie, but that's another conversation for another day. But waiting became part of my life for Star Wars. I was always waiting for the next part of Star Wars. So when I was 10 years old, the world was going to change for the better with Episode 1. You remember that? Episode 1 was supposed to be so great. But then Jar Jar Binks happened, and we kind of like... Everyone looks back at episode one and is like, wow, that was the biggest, most profound disappointment of my entire life. Now, your life's pretty good if episode one was the biggest disappointment. Then you skip, so Attack of the Clones wasn't very good. Uh, Revenge of the Sith wasn't very good, but it was a little better. And I remember waiting as a kid thinking, oh, I just can't wait for the next Star Wars movie to come out. It's going to be so much better. Now, that happened later, too, right? Then Disney bought Star Wars, and everyone was, again, excited. Oh, Disney is going to save us from George Lucas's brain, and it's going to be so much better. So I waited. I was so excited. But Episode 7 was a remake of the original movie, and Episode 8 wasn't very good, and Episode 9 was almost unwatchable. However, those are silly versions of waiting. We all have moments of waiting in our lives. I think of Less silly times, I think of, I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old, and we've got a one-year-old, and I think of when my wife and I were waiting for her to be able to give birth the first time, and she had some issues um, in advance, so she had to be on bed rest, and we kept going to the same triage room in Beth Israel Hospital over and over and over. Became like this recurring thing, almost like Groundhog Day, only it wasn't Groundhog Day, it was the triage room of the maternity ward at Beth Israel Hospital. And every time they said, oh, no, you just got to wait. There's nothing we can do today. And how frustrating was that for you? It was pretty frustrating for her. For me, I was just there to support. But for Laura, it was definitely a challenge. 
I think of times that I've been stuck on the phone. Has anyone ever been put on hold on the doctor's office? Who likes that experience? Anybody? Okay, so here's the thing, and here's why I have my beach set up. You like this? takes this truck, if you come to beach night later, Henry takes this truck and he crosses the entire beach with it and he makes loud room noises, so get excited for that if you come to beach night. But here's my mentality I want us to think of. Instead of waiting, waiting is kind of a negative word. What if we embrace this biblical notion of giving God his proper place, honoring God, and talking about rest? I want us to think of a notion called pause. When you sit on hold on a doctor's office, it's very frustrating. But when you sit on hold from all the things in your life on the beach, it's not frustrating. That's not just location, that's also the mindset. When we wait on our terms, it's a lot easier. We all have moments in between moments in our lives where we have to make a choice. We say, you know what, I'm waiting right now. Am I going to be frustrated or am I going to pause? Am I going to embrace this biblical idea of God's notion for rest in my life? And that's our big challenge today, is that we have moments, whether they're small micro moments, so maybe they're, they're little decisions we're going through, maybe it's in our workplace, maybe it's in our family, we can look at that and say, wow, my life feels like it's on hold, or we can say, wow, God's reminding me that I need to pause. We can have an in-between moment or a crisis that someone's dealing with that there's nothing we can do but it's upended everything. Are we going to say my life is on hold or do we say, wow, once again, God is reminding me of the importance of rest, of pausing, and of course, who here works a lot? Anybody, anybody a, a hard worker? I'm a hard worker. I like being a hard worker. But the problem with us hard workers, I, I confess that I was a legalist last week. The problem with us hard workers, we could find work for 24 hours a day, seven days a week if we wanted to, couldn't we? We could. Take that day of rest. For me, it's Mondays this summer. Take the day of rest. Pause. Enjoy the goodness. I will tell you something. Before I became a dad, I didn't love going to the beach. I've learned that going to the beach makes me a better husband, makes me a better dad. I go with my family. Makes me a better pastor makes me a better leader, it makes me a better writer, it's everything. Pausing, turning my phone off, right? Turning it off and pausing enhances all parts of my life. And that is this biblical notion of rest, of pause. When we not only remember, but keep, we can keep it and we can remember it. We can remember it, we can keep it. When we keep and remember Sabbath, it enhances all parts of our life. So we're going to look at if you remember last week, I had a funny graphic of this guy, Jephthah, and I said he's not a moral role model. Look at this graphic I put. I want you to meet Nehemiah. Here he is. Here comes Nehemiah. He's going to come on screen. So we're going to meet Nehemiah. It's okay. So let's just go to the next, the next slide, and we're going to meet Nehemiah. So Nehemiah, he's the greatest character in the Old Testament, right? So, Nehemiah, I love more than any other Old Testament character. And if you've ever talked to me, you will probably have heard about him ad nauseum. But if you haven't, you're in for such a treat today. Nehemiah is terrific. He is amazing. So, he was not at the beach. He actually, Nehemiah is a guy that lived during the time of the exile. 
chronologically, his story takes place at the very end of the Old Testament. After all, the nonsense has, ha has happened, and the people have been disobedient, and Jephthah did vows, and, and David did stuff, and all these people did things, and it wasn't helpful, and okay. And now the consequences, this guy Nehemiah has to deal with. He's at the end of the story. And Nehemiah hears news that his family, Hanani, comes across the wilderness and comes to Persia and gives him a message. And he says, you know, things are not looking good in Jerusalem. The gate is destroyed. The walls have crumbled. Life isn't good. We are in dangerous territory. We're in in-between time. But Nehemiah has this Old Testament and biblical concept of Sabbath, and he understands to pause. You're going to see later in our text that he has everything he needs in order to quickly fix things if he wants to, maybe. Probably wouldn't turn out well. And he knows not to do that. Instead, he pauses. He sits down, and for three days, he weeps, he cries, he prays to God. He takes a moment. Then, of course, we hear that he actually was put in a position, and we'll keep on our Nehemiah slide, then we hear that he was put in a position where he can actually do everything he needs with all the things God has given him. God has given him a position where he can get favor from the king because he's the cupbearer, and he again waits and acts in the right timing and doesn't act disrespectful to the king, but instead... He honors the king as a worldly leader and moves forward. Then he gets to Jerusalem, and he's got the equivalent of millions of dollars. He's got ridiculous resources. He's got everything he needs to get the job done. You know what he does? Nothing for three days. He pauses. He observes. He doesn't immediately go in and try to fix anything. He has this rest concept, knowing that it's not laziness. When I go to the beach and pause, we're going to do that as a congregation today, this afternoon. It's not because we're lazy. It's because we understand resting helps everything else. When I have a mindset of rest, I'm stronger in every other area. And so we see that, and things go well, and they rebuild, and they read the law, and they bring the people back, and they have a bit of an awakening, and things are good, and Nehemiah leaves. And then the very end of the book, chapter 13, Nehemiah finds out that the people have gone right back to their old ways. And the big, his big gripe they're not remembering and keeping Sabbath. So he comes back. And this time, he makes structural changes. He actually changes the calendar of the Jewish people. And he says, you know what? Before Sabbath, we're going to shut the gate. And we're going to keep it shut during Sabbath. So no one can come in and sell anything during Sabbath if they can't get in. And he literally makes a change. Nehemiah shows us, and this is our bottom line, and we'll flash this graphic on the screen. Here is our bottom line for today. When we learn to pause, when we learn to pause, it will change our life for the better. When you learn to pause, it can be moment to moment. It can be in once a week for a day of rest. Pausing is a biblical notion. We as a society, rush, 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 oh, I'm so busy, I'm so frazzled. Pause. Yes, there's always going to be more work to do. There's always going to be more things that we could feel like, oh, I have to get that accomplished. Oh, I could have been more productive today. And maybe that's the case. Two things can be true at once. Maybe I need to make sure to, to use the best use of my time. And also, I need to remember to pause. I shouldn't not pause thinking it's going to make up for me misusing my time at work. 
I should do my best to be a good steward of my time. I'm given a salary. I'm given hours at work. I want to be a good steward of that. Also, I need to pause. And so that's what we're going to see with Nehemiah. And so he shows us that the very first thing we do is we pause and we pray. Let's look right in chapter 1. If you're with us in your Bible, if you've got your phone, you've got your pocket Bible. I want you to open up your pocket Bible to the first chapter of Nehemiah. You can go on Bible Gateway. You can go on version of the Bible app. But let's hear just some of the words here. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. I heard recently someone say that when people wake up from being put under for a surgery or I guess this is a thing when you go to the dentist. Now, sometimes you can go to the dentist and be put under and have dental work done. Where was that when I was a teenager? That sounds amazing. But regardless, when you wake up, the first thing people reach for is their phone. When you wake up from anesthesia, we grab this immediately. Where we go first shows our priorities. Now, I bring that up as a silly example. Here's what I want to get at. If we go to God first with prayer, we're prioritizing our relationship with Him and we're understanding that everything starts with prayer. If we go to everything else and then we're like, oh, I forgot to do my ceremonial prayer, it's going to be a lot less genuine. God wants our heart first. There's other things we need to do in our lives, but if we start by pausing, let's say I get a situation. I role-played for the earlier service. I'm going to role-play for us. I am in a point in my life where I have been a school teacher for a number of years. This is, a, this is not a role play, this is real, okay? I've been a school teacher for a number of years. And I'm discerning my future in the schools and my futures in, in ministry. I don't have the answer for it, but let me show you what pausing and praying first would look like. God, for many years I've really enjoyed being a teacher. And I love the kids, I love the program, I love getting to deal with parents and working with parents and partnering with them. But God, it seems like during the last couple years that I feel like I'm being led in another direction. Sometimes I feel like the wizard has been let behind the curtain and, and, and school is less meaningful for everyone than it could be. And I don't know if that means I should double down, Lord, and go into administration. I don't know if that means I should just honor my time with the schools and pivot and really that you're leading me into ministry. But God, I ask that you bless my decision. And before I make any decision, I don't have preconceived notions. Give me some wisdom. Give me some ability to make the right choice, knowing that your timing is perfect, and when I act too quickly, that only messes it up. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. That was a real prayer. I'm praying that throughout my life now. The reason I do that, in education we have this idea that we model to our students. So I want to show you, that's what your church leaders, your pastors do. We pray first. We say, there are things in my life that I feel like I'm waiting. And instead of feeling like I'm waiting, I can pause. I can take this biblical mindset of rest. And now from there, I can pray. So here's my question for you. Write this down. Look at this, this slide right here. Write this down. When I pause, prayer is my first line of defense. We all know about ATM Jesus. Have you ever met ATM Jesus? ATM Jesus is when I'm out of options and I'm like, oh no, 
things are really sideways, but I think I have enough money in the ATM. I think it'll get me through this afternoon. Let me run over there. You kick the ATM a couple times. Maybe you put your hand over the camera and you're like, oh, you know, I haven't really been as faithful as I need to, but my hope is that God is just going to kind of let me get by with this. Here's the good news. When we go to ATM Jesus, it's, he's totally fine with that. He'd prefer not to be the last line of defense. God would prefer to be the first line of defense in your life. But if, if you need to access ATM Jesus, by all means, also you're invited to see that we can go to prayer first and second and third. We don't have to wait for ATM Jesus. That's what Nehemiah shows us. Nehemiah has everything he needs to be equipped but he still knows he's got to give it to God first. Because still, in our brains, that stinking thinking that starts happening, when I say that my spiritual awareness is going to be up here, I get into a lot of trouble. When I say, you know what? Not great stuff happens up there, but when I give my heart to the Lord, he's going to make my path straight, and I do that. And again, I'm not bartering with God. I'm not making a deal to God. I'm making, we've talked about for this past month, giving our hearts to God. When I'm just giving God my heart and saying, okay, going to pray first. It's my first line of defense. So as we keep this on the screen, write it down, and I want to ask you a question. What role does prayer play in your life? Are you pausing and praying? If you find yourself in the ATM Jesus, and you're going to find that's going to make its way into encouraging words this week, if you find yourself face-to-face -face with ATM Jesus, he forgives you. He forgives me, too. It's okay. But let's also go to him first, go to him second, go to him third, we have this opportunity to continue to come before God to pause. And after we pray, we pause and observe. This is our next thing that Nehemiah shows us. In this idea of rest, of Sabbath, of pausing, we pray first, and then we don't immediately act, right? It's not like, okay, I prayed, I got that over with. Now it's on to, it's on to the task at hand. Here we go. No, no, no. Look what Nehemiah does. He gets to the city of Jerusalem. He's got all the resources he needs, and so I arrived in Jerusalem. Look, I didn't arrive in Jerusalem, and now I'm merely acting. Watch what happened. Three days later, three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put on my heart for Jerusalem. Nehemiah had his plan, and he could have gone in and just said, okay, guys, uh, you have not done a good job leading Jerusalem. I will do a good job leading Jerusalem. God is with me. I have been praying. I have resources from the king. Please listen. Do you think that would be effective? It would not. The people would feel steamrolled. Steamrolling is apparently something I've done throughout much of my life. Where I have wonderful ideas and plans and prayers and a purpose, and I come in, I say, that's it. I've got the solution. Here it is. Do people like just hearing from their Christian friend what the solution is? They do not. What do people want? They want to be listened to. They want to be heard. What do we want? We want to be listened to. We want to be heard. Instead of just rushing in with a plan, we can rush in and observe. Now, I made a joke in the outdoor service, and I have a feeling we might have a few more gamers in this service, maybe. So I grew up with video games and computer games, and on Christmas, every year growing up, we had what was called Christmas noobs. Has anyone ever heard this term? It was basically the people who got the game on Christmas Day, and they were absolute trash at the game, and you could just totally annihilate them. 
But the thing about noobs, so newbies, whether we play video games or we just are in life, we're all newbies at some point. We are all newcomers, and we have the power of observation, unlike people who have been there for forever. I have been here for much longer than one day. So someone who comes today to church for the first time is able to observe things that I'm completely unable to see. Completely. In our workplaces, we are so aware, we think, of all the dynamics that we often miss things. And so we get caught in the drama, we get caught in the frustration, we get caught in all these different ins and outs in our families. We jump to conclusions. We have what God has laid on our heart, and so we say to our kids, hey, you knucklehead, like, listen, come on, here we go. But the reality is, is if we stop and we pause, if we take a step back, do you know what happens? Instead of being involved in all the, in all the, the, the mess of, of today and the issue, whether it's at work or in my family, if I pause... I'm able to sit on the sidelines and be an observer. I want to show you. Let's say there's all this stuff going on at work. I can get in the fray, or I can sit there, and I can have a non-anxious presence. Hard to put to practice. And say, wow, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on right there. That's a, that's a situation, certainly. Um, okay, hmm. Maybe I shouldn't do anything. Maybe this is just not my business and I should walk away and go take a break. We start to have an awareness, a wisdom, a discernment when we pause and we don't do anything. Sometimes this situation displays itself out. Sometimes after three days, like with Nehemiah, we still got to now go perform the job. But there's a lot of times that just by waiting and pausing and observing, Sometimes that's the solution. Maybe in your life you've got something where if you wade in, it's going to make it worse. But if you pause and observe and pray for the situation, maybe that's all it's going to take. Now, maybe there's more. And write this one down. I can always observe like a newbie. Always. Every single time. I can always, if I take a step back and have this idea of Sabbath, of rest, not feeling like, oh, I'm waiting and I wish I wasn't, but no, I'm resting, I'm pausing. It gives me the ability to see things that I couldn't otherwise see. And so here's the question I ask for you. If when I pause I can always observe like a newbie, then my question is simple. What role does observation play in your life? Is it a go-to? Or are you finding yourself caught into these situations and playing catch-up and saying, wow, I really made a mess of that? Wow, okay, yeah, I probably shouldn't have gotten involved there. Well, I could have gotten involved, but it was the wrong timing. I rushed in. Oh, that was too soon. That's okay. We are where we are today. And the good news, we've talked about this for a number of weeks. No matter what came yesterday or an hour ago or three weeks ago, I can be faithful today. No matter how I found myself here, I can always observe. I can always pray first, observe second and be part of God's solution. Pausing, the Holy Spirit will give us the ability to observe in ways that we are shocked, and we say, wow, I never saw that going on. You know, the whole time, I was thinking it was just all about this, but actually, this is just 
this is just a cycle that's been happening, and, and there's nothing I can do to get involved. I just need to be kind and listen, and if I, if I try to argue, that's just going to make it worse. When I pause, I can always observe. And of course, at the end of the book, Nehemiah comes back to Jerusalem because they've neglected Sabbath. We have this thing where it says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember and keep. Think about it and then do. So there is doing. We've talked a lot about today so far about pausing and stopping, having more of the mindset of the beach than the mindset of feeling stuck and waiting on the telephone as the line is busy and you hear that same annoying song over and over that they think is really helpful, but actually it's soul-crushing, and why is the song going? I'm, why is Margaritaville playing or whatever it is um, when, when I'm just trying to talk to my doctor and literally it's going over and over and they think they're brightening my day and I literally just want to throw the phone out the window. At those times, we can pause and pray and say, God, I need some patience. But here's the last thing we can do. There are times where we have to make changes. Nehemiah shows this. We can pause and we can put it in the calendar. Look at what happens in chapter 13. Then I commanded the gates of Jerusalem should be shut as darkness fell every Friday evening. And the, the words of this text are going to be on the screen. Not to be opened until the Sabbath ended. I sent some of my own servants to guard the gates so that no merchandise could be bought on the Sabbath day. There are times in our lives where all we have to do is make a schedule change. And it's amazing that it'll be so much easier to rest. Now yesterday, I'd already prepared this message, but I got this email, and I want to share you just to not go super long into it, but literally about an hour before I gave this talk for the first time, I got an email from Kerry Newhoff. He's a pastor who basically provides ideas and support for other pastors. And so it was, a, it was not a personal email to me. It was an email that was put just to all the pastors in the network. And it literally says this, stop working seven days a week with these tips. I was like, oh, really? I'm about to preach about, about pausing, about Sabbath. That's great. Let's take a look and see if he fundamentally disagrees with me. And I scroll down, and he reminds me right at the beginning, you'll never be done, right? So as I said at the beginning of this talk, if you want to work 24 hours a day, you can work 24 hours a day. There will always be more to do. There's always more tasks. You'll never be done, right? There's always more people to connect with. There's always more content. However, here's something that he said. He said, look at your calendar as slots. If you've got a relatively open schedule, maybe you don't. Maybe you've got a very specific schedule, and that is what it is. But in those places where you have some flexibility, try to group things together Try to pause and not let your life feel like, wow, I'm just stuck waiting for this person and I would love to, to connect here, but I'm, I'm just waiting and it's so frustrating. And then also, and this is the one that I really want to focus on, book off time in the calendar. We say we're too busy, but we have a little hack we can do. If I say, oh, I'm too busy to take a day off, what if I'm busy with all meetings and stuff, right? I'm busy with, what are some of the things I'm busy with? Let, let's sit and pause and think. Okay, so I tend to be busy with, uh, if I'm, now I've got little kids, so I'll, I'll role play. So I'm, I'm busy picking my kids up from soccer and this activity and that activity, okay? And I'm busy with work, and I'm busy with, um, oh, I've got extended family that I go try to visit once a month, and I'm busy, right? We've got all these things, okay. What if in my calendar, on my day off, it literally said, Sabbath, this is God's time, I am busy. 
and I say to people, okay, you know, uh, sorry, I'm actually not available to get together. No, I can't come in one more day at work um, for that because I, I do have an appointment that day. I'm sorry, but we can reschedule. My calendar can be my superpower. Sometimes Nehemiah found that one of the things that made it so that people were back violating Sabbath was the fact that they keep the gates open before Sabbath. And so all the merchants were excited. They wanted to show all their goods. So they came in on the Sabbath. They didn't care. They're just there to make sure that their businesses are profitable. And Nehemiah doesn't need to sit and be like, you're wrong, or, or sit and weigh in and, and sit and yell at them. All he does is he says, hey, it's easy. We're just going to shut the gates. Maybe in your life, the thing keeping you from pausing is simply that you got to take a day off and you got to put in your calendar. And it's a meeting. And it's a 24-hour meeting. And, and it's not something you can get out of. I'm sorry, this is like super important. I, not, nothing else works without it. Because I, I used this phrase before. When we don't pause, it affects all parts of our lives. If I don't take a day off, it hurts my marriage. If I don't take a day off, I'm less available with my kids. I've felt that. I've tried working seven days straight. And you know what happens? Ruby and Henry want to have WrestleMania with me on the nugget. And I'm fried. And I want to lay on the nugget and go to sleep. If I want to be the best engaged dad... I need to take some time off. When I pause, my calendar is my superpower. And this is what we see with this idea of pausing. The reality is, is that it's easy to look at pausing and say, okay, that's so easy for him to say because he's got a pastor with a flexible schedule and you don't understand. No, it's not about rules. It's not about that maybe I have the ability to move some schedule around and you don't. It's about our heart. It's about the mindset. It's about saying, you know, there's little things in my life where I need to stop and pause and have that biblical idea of Sabbath and rest. There's little things in my life where I can just look at this and say, you know what? I'm not going to God first. This is a big issue, and I should be giving it to the Lord. I should take it, and instead of thinking that I've got all the answers, that I've got all the solutions, first, I can say, God, and, and this is something I did this past week. I was going to have to have um, something that was challenging. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't do the wrong thing. So I called up a friend of mine, and he didn't know what I was doing. And I said, hi, do you have two minutes? And he's like, I guess I do now. And I said, okay, great. So we're going to pray over something. And I told him quickly what was going on. And I said, all right, I'm going to pray. You're going to pray. Then we're going to hang up the phone. And then I'm going to feel a little bit better about this. And we did. And so we prayed for me to have wisdom and clarity and to be kind and to listen and for a good outcome. And he prayed. And we got off the phone. Maybe the pausing in your life is pausing to pray. Sometimes I steamroll people. I was recently in a conversation where someone asked me, David, have you ever thought about what it would be like if you did a church plant? Now, I'm not being called to be a church planner, but, but instead of engaging in a conversation, you know what I did? I didn't observe. I said, oh, yes. And for the next two minutes, I talked about my five-part plan of how I would set up a, a network of five home groups in a new area. I would figure out the felt needs. I would figure out a geographic center, and we tried to do a meeting place there, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you know what happened? The person wasn't listened to. Now, the person forgave me, and we still had a great conversation. But if I don't observe, if I don't pause, I can steamroll people. And when I don't give the proper time for rest, for Sabbath, everything else it gets wonky. And so here's our bottom line for today. Our bottom line is simple. When, and we're going to go to the next slide, 
when I pause, when I learn to pause, it'll change my life for the better. When I learn to say, I don't need to have all the answers right now. I need to, I need to not to block things, not to filibuster the issue and to say, oh, I got to go pray about this now to get out of something. It's not about that. It's about, yeah, my best decision isn't going to be made when I just quickly throw things together and I'm like, oh, no, I don't know what to do, but I guess this will have to do in the meantime until I think of something better. No, as Christians, as Christ followers, we have the ability to pause, to pray, and this will change our life. We have the ability to go in non-anxiously to a situation and say, you know what, I don't have a solution here. But Sabbath, the idea of rest, means that I don't have to fix this right now. Maybe I can observe. So I invite you, if you are struggling with this today, we're going to play a song in a minute, and I'm going to be down front, and if a bunch of people come down for prayer, I'm going to be giving some thumbs up, and other people are going to pray. If you need to pause in your life, and that could mean praying more, that could mean observing more, that could mean you're dealing with a crisis today and you don't know the solution, I'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you if you just come down. Because we know that when we learn to pause, it'll change our lives for the better. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Sabbath, for rest. We're so grateful that not only are we all going to get together and go to the beach later and dip our toes in the water, but that at the times we feel like we're waiting, that our life is on hold, that those moments are moments that you have given us the gift of pausing. At the times where we don't know what to say to the co-worker, you've given us the gift of pausing. At the times where things are just going wonky, you give that gift of being able to pause. And we're so grateful that you're a God of rest, that you work hard, but on that seventh day, you took time to rest and to give thanks and to be happy. We're so grateful for that gift in our lives. And if we are struggling today with this idea of rest, of Sabbath, of pausing, Lord, give us the willingness to be honest about it. Whether we come pray with a leader, we talk to our spouse, we talk to our kids, we access our supports, God, I'm so grateful that you are moving in our community and you're giving us the willingness to see this value of pause. Bless us today. Be with us in Jesus' name.